Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Saul Bookman, Espo, and Gerald Borgay. Gentlemen, the simple question of the day is just how are you doing today? Uh, apparently, we're doing a little bit better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frazzled. <laughs> Not used to these early shows. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough to get in the mindset for an 11:30 show when you're used to two. You know? I mean, yeah. well, Espo, if you take away your drive time, it's basically right on time. <laughs> Well, that's true. Where we come from uh, in, in the far reaches of the East Valley, it does take a while to get downtown. That's Very true. fair. That's that's not an excuse that I have. I'm just frazzled from this early start because my drive time is like five whole minutes. So it's just throwing me for a loop today. But it's okay. We've got a lot of fun stuff in store for you guys on this show. And one of the biggest things that we want to talk about off the top is we may have a reason for the Suns' collapse in round two against the Dallas Mavericks. Are you guys nervous about this situation going on right now, or do you think it's going to make you feel better? Well, let's mention what it is. And look, the there's a rumor, which is a – I can't get it fully confirmed. I'll say that much. But there are indications that it's not just internet BS, all right? Uh, earlier this week, or maybe been late last week, uh, Dan Bickley did one of his Bickley blasts on uh, on Arizona Sports and suggested that maybe there could be a possibility that COVID was why the Suns uh, had their issues in that second round series. I poked around, couldn't get full confirmation, but didn't get a full denial. So I'm starting to think there may be a little something to that that rumor and it would make a lot of sense when you start adding the pieces together right one of their assistant coaches was out with covid the new the new rules when it comes to the nba and the playoffs is you don't really have to get tested if you don't want to so you could feasibly get away with being sick and playing uh so you look at it and and it makes a lot of sense and to me would actually make me feel slightly better about what we witnessed in particular. And I have no background on this. There's nobody indicated that if it was a COVID outbreak, that CP3 had it, but 
it would make kind of sense how he would go from what he was in games one and two to what he was the remainder of that series when logically it really didn't make a lot of sense. That could be an answer. So it all would start to make me feel better, but I don't think it changes a lot of what we discussed in the DeAndre Ayton situation, but I think it explains maybe why we saw some lackluster performances in particular in game six and game seven. I mean, for me personally, it would make me feel a little bit better. I don't think it makes me feel fully better, but I do think it changes the impetus of the offseason a little bit because if you're coming at it from the angle of it was a quad injury or CP3's body broke down again, then that's one thing and you need to adjust your course accordingly and make sure, like we've talked about, shift some of the burden away from him. But if he and Book and Jay Crowder, which is what the theory is saying, all had COVID – and we're dealing with that. That makes me feel a little bit better about why Book was terrible in the last two games. It makes me feel a little bit better about why Chris Paul disappeared basically after game two. And it makes me feel a little bit better about their prospects entering next year. I know it's not a full-blown excuse for what we saw. If you're out there, you are out there and you're expected to perform to your highest level. Um, but it would make me feel a little bit better and it would – rationalize a little bit more of what we saw at the very least in my eyes. <clears throat> this doesn't mean shit to me. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm so tired of, of these, these excuses, the, the, ha- or, you know, we, we're talking about the quad injury or, or whatever. Again, like you said, Gerald, if you're on the court, you got to perform. And, and it doesn't excuse four games out of five where you absolutely didn't show up. But then you had that heater in game five that showed that maybe it would not have been an issue, right? So, like, I, I, we, we can pick and choose what we want to believe and what we don't want to believe, but we have facts on both ends of the spectrum. They played like dog shit in games three and four. They played great in game five. Then they played like dog shit in game six and seven. So which one's the outlier? It looks like game five's the outlier. But what, did they drink a miracle concoction to overcome their illnesses? Like, all of a sudden, like, no. Like, they just sucked. They were awful. If they were awful. If it's CP3 in those five games and then a couple guys catch it in those final two, it does start to make sense. It does start to make sense as a piece of the puzzle as to what happened. It's not all the excuses like Gerald said. It's not all the answer. There were some other things, obviously, as well. But if CP3 has it, obviously, you know, then other guys get it. It could answer why so, you saw so- guys so then, ebb and flow in this series. So then, so then here's my question, right? DA is getting a lot of heat because he's so up and down. He's so uh, inconsistent. Uh, he one game, he has a great game. The next game, he's, he's not as good. He's not as dominant in this series. You know, and then we see a, a scenario where uh, DA is walking off the court and him and Monty get into it. Now, does this change the entire perspective of this? If DA's like, these motherfuckers got COVID out here on the court. They can't even play. But you're out here fucking dogging me and pulling me off to the side like I'm the problem. Like, it changes the whole dynamic. So, like, there's so many different levels we can take this to. We can make excuses for Booker and CP3. But then at the same time, if this is found out to be true, then I completely understand why DA would be frustrated and pissed off. I would agree. Would that be great, though? Wouldn't that be an ideal situation in in kind of at least in one no, avenue be, of the world or one theory? It would be it would be worse 
because of the way they're they're you know these rumors are going around about how they're pretty much done with DA or DA's done here in the valley. These rumors, that's the thing. We don't know know who's starting them. If you know DA is not the scapegoat, then fuck. At least at the worst, Monty should have been right off the bat, been like, "No, DA's our guy." Blah 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 blah. But he didn't even fucking defend DA from the jump. James Jones is the only one that's basically said that he's he's still part of the team. He's still part of the plan. But like. You can't let DA fall on the sword if these three dudes are the ones that actually did get sick and it affected their play. Both both things can be true, though. DA could have ha- flipped out on Monty and and had issues that that strained the relationship with Monty and DA, and those guys could have been sick. It's not one or the other. It could be all these things. And the the reason you we're never going to find out is because if a team admits that they played with COVID. That is awful. And the league setting the rules to where they can get away with doing it is problematic. So it becomes a bigger issue. And I think that's part of why we'll never know what the truth is necessarily on this in part, because it's, it's a slippery slope. If a team admits, yeah, we were, we had COVID or one of our guys had COVID and and we let him play. I I just, I'm, I, I get what you're saying. I do. And I get the rumor mill and the gossip all out there and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the fact of the matter is they were dog shit for four out of five games against a team yeah, that was far less superior COVID, to them. And if they a, had COVID, if they had COVID, then the motherfuckers shouldn't even been playing because they're not only just putting their teammates at risk, they're putting everybody else at risk. And isn't that the same thing we crucified Kyrie Irving for, for not playing uh, in getting the shot and, and playing but maybe another. I mean, actually, that's a that's a bad yeah. example. Let's take Kyrie out. That's completely irrelevant. My bad. Wrong way. I, I'm, I'm glad I was, you. I'm, I'm getting, glad you walked getting, that back. I'm getting it. everything <laughs> conflicted, conflated. My bad. No, no, no. But just but take listen, a deep breath. <laughs> but listen, we can't we can't be like give these guys like the out of COVID if they really did have it and they really did did play because the bigger picture here is just public safety and health overall. I could give a fuck about a goddamn basketball oh, game at that point. I, I agree. The whole thing, that's why the whole thing is problematic, right? Uh, And could be why we see such a weird, I mean, we didn't hear from any players and we haven't outside of McHale's interview. Uh, They didn't host in-person, you know, end of the year stuff, which was a little weird as well. There's all sorts of things that you look at and you go, okay, well, maybe that does make a little sense, but it's not right. You're right. But the league shouldn't have relaxed the rules either where it gave gave teams the leverage to be able to pull crap either if if any of them have you know like that's, that's true you, th- you got to put a little bit of this on the league too for making it for allowing players to have the discretion to get tested or not and play through illnesses whether or not they know it's covid or they're claiming it's allergies or just a cold but that that's not just on the players alone. That's on the whole entire system that's going on currently. Do we, do we give the Mavericks a, an out now for the Western Conference Finals because they just played you know five straight games against CP3, who allegedly could have had COVID, and then they got housed four out of five games against the Golden State Warriors. I didn't hear anybody get COVID with the Mavs. I haven't heard anybody get COVID with the Warriors. The so Warriors had like, COVID. The Warriors Steve had COVID. Had, Steve Kerr had COVID at the beginning of the series, didn't or. At one part, a point in this. Look, look, I, I get it, but you don't dive deep into the Mav rumor mill either, so that could be out there. I don't know. I'm just saying, I heard it. I found it interesting. I looked into it a little bit. Maybe there's some truth to it. That's all. All I'm saying, and that at least gives some morsel of 
what the hell happened? Maybe it explains a little something. They were trash, is what happened. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna take it for at face value. I, I have a harder time doing that based on the season that we saw. But I, I don't. Again, you're not gonna get away with any excuses. And to be clear, no, nobody on the Suns is making these excuses from the CP3 quad injury to this rumor that we're talking about now. Like nobody on the Suns is coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, that's why we lost." Like they have taken ownership of it to a certain degree, maybe not as much as we would probably like, but I will say that that rumor, if it is true, would make a lot more sense in explaining what the hell we saw than anything but, else we've come up with. But, but I, w- I would also say, Gerald, like I, I would, I would agree with that sentiment. If they, if they came out in the first series and just completely dominated the Pelicans. Right. But they didn't do that either. And they struggled against the Pelicans. So I have a hard time believing that it just didn't carry over unless you're going to tell me that they had COVID against the Pelicans too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, look, and Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder, I thought Jay Crowder was probably one of the better performing sons in the Dallas Mavericks series. Like I didn't think he was affected by anything. He didn't look sluggish. He didn't look like he was out of character. He was actually shooting the three at a decent clip, but he had three points in game five. Okay. What about yeah, games like- three, four, six, and seven? Well, not seven, seven, everybody. Well, you got to, you got to think too about how COVID kind of works. It affects everybody differently. Sometimes you have a bad case that lasts five days. Sometimes you have a case that only lasts one day. Like it's just all over the place as far as how it affects people. So one player could have two good games and then one really bad game and then another good game, because maybe that one bad game was when he got the thick of it. Game six, he had nine points, two rebounds, two assists. He wasn't a shining star. And, I'm not, and I will, look, it's, it's not I will a, say a, a total excuse either. I will say the Pelicans are a tougher matchup too than the Mavericks were. I think we all agreed on that. They, the Pelicans just match up wise with their offensive rebounding, with their length, with their size, were a tougher matchup for them on paper than the Mavericks were. Um, so I, I, I get your sentiment that like the Suns weren't looking like world champs in that first round series. I do think that was because of the matchup and because their best player missed three of the six games that they played. I think that mattered in that series. The Mavs, I, I, especially after game two, we all thought it was a sweep, five games at best. It looked like they were going to run away with it, and then it just inexplicably changed. I still have not found any reason why that would have happened. This would at least somewhat explain it, although, again, I, I don't think we can make excuses. This team should have still won regardless of that. I mean, all I know is I can guarantee COVID was going around these parts of the Valley during that exact time. I can guarantee it. That's a hundred percent factual. Okay. I don't know what you're referencing, Lindsay. What? So I don't know. There's, a, there's a couple things in there that I'm referencing. Okay. So read into that out. You will. I can 100% guarantee COVID was running rampant around these parts during the second round. <laughs> Take that how you want to. Take the, that suns, the, data. The, the Suns weren't the only ones that missed game seven is what she's saying. Huh? <laughs> look, I mean, look, that's one it, part of it. Not a, it's not a total excuse at all, like you said, though, Saul. You know, this this was the better team. And even with that, there are problems. It doesn't it doesn't change everything, but it at least may explain a little bit. I, I, my my point here is is simply this: I'm not letting these dudes off the hook because they played like trash four out of five games, and and until I get some circum like some actual factual evidence from reputable sources that that are just point blank, like 
I'm just always going to think they played like trash. They got outplayed until something else more concrete comes up uh, for. I understand why you brought it up because, yeah, I guess it would go to, to the fact that, you know, they played a little bit out of character. Um, and, and if they had COVID, that that could be a reason. But at the same time, I think there's a bigger picture here as to why that could be an, an even bigger problem. And um, until until we hear that, um, I'm just gonna, always going to be like, you know what, these dudes were trash. And that's just how it was. By, by the way, thank you, Josh Hunt, for uh, letting us know that the first confirmed case of monkeypox is in Arizona in Maricopa County. I had to search it. It's true. It broke 22 minutes ago. So thanks, Josh. We really appreciate it. Love that for us. What the hell is monkeypox? Go look it up. You don't want to know. <laughs> Hi, Evay. All right, guys. Any okay. other final thoughts on <laughs> the COVID situation with the Suns? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, I think this is a good time to remind everybody that maybe COVID isn't as gone as we would all like to think that it is. That whole segment should have been sponsored by, by the Arizona Department of Health and Safety. Look, and it was all fake. Guys. It was just a great segue for an ad. Look at this. You're welcome. We're getting real deep with these advertisements nowadays. We want you guys to stay safe and healthy and COVID-free so that you don't choke in a game seven. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. And All right. keep that handy too, because monkey pox might be next in line. So. Dude, monkey pox is what? <laughs> so Googled it. Uh -oh. oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that ain't good. <laughs> um, I have a question for you guys. If you were placing a bet on DraftKings Sportsbook app on the over-under, what do you think the over-under would be for how many times this offseason we're going to talk about trades that won't actually happen? Oh, 65.5 oh. uh, over-under. And I'm taking the over. <laughs> and how and, and and like is this like a per thirty day span? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> the, whole, the whole off season? I don't know. Whole, I guess we could a, do if, per thirty day. If, I don't know. If there's hundred and twenty days in the off season, uh, it's easily at least a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna say triple digit somewhere in that yeah. range. I feel like it would be a hundred and fifty because we do multiples in a day oh. sometimes as well. So I think I'm gonna put the over under. The over at 150, and like Espo said, I'm also going to take the over on this one. Um, but if you guys want to play some bets, some over-unders, some same-game parlays, just some outright gambles, you can do so at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PHNX. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So it's Trade Machine Tuesday. Let's queue up our Trade Machine graphic here because today we are going to talk about some Bradley Beal conversations. So this has been floating around on Twitter We've seen a few options thrown out there. One from our friend Darth Voida and Gerald, you put one together. And I think this just might be a really good opportunity to shed some light on how some of these things go down once again, because it is a very confusing situation and there's a lot of math and legalese that goes into it. So Gerald, do you want to start us off and kind of break this down for us? 
Yeah, why don't we take a look at that uh, Darth Voida trade again, if we have that. Um, so here we've got Bradley Beal being traded to the Suns. He has a player option worth $36.4 million this summer. If this trade is assuming he opts into it, which is not a given because he could opt out and re-sign with the Wizards for, I think, up to four years and $180 million, and then five years and 240 some million. So he, he stands to make a big payday if the Wizards want to keep him around and if he wants to opt out. So that's one part of it. Second part here, we've got uh, Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, a 2024 first-round pick, and DeAndre Ayton going to the Wizards. The problem that I have here is that you look at what DeAndre Ayton is signing for with the Wizards, and it's a four-year deal worth $42.4 million. And, like, no no, no disrespect to Dark Voida, but there's no way in hell DeAndre Ayton is agreeing to that sign-and-trade. There's just no way. I'll sign three DeAndre Aytons for that. That's <laughs> yeah. how about I value him, so... Yeah, so that that one, I, I understand the framework and the thinking of it, but like he's not signing for what, like ten million a year, sixteen million a year, whatever it is. Like, there's no way that's going to happen. If he was willing to do that, we wouldn't even be having this discussion right now. <laughs> no, you sign in for that. And you like he wanted a five year, one hundred and seventy, ninety two million dollar max, whatever it was last off season. There's just no way he's agreeing to that kind of contract, especially to go play for the Wizards, who already have Kristaps Porzingis and who have Thomas Bryant as a restricted free agent this summer. Like they're kind of set on bigs. So if you're doing that and you're the Wizards, you're finding a way to sign and trade Thomas Bryant, which as we've talked about, sign and trades are difficult to work out. So I I, I just don't see that one happening. But is there a path forward though, Gerald? Yes, Gerald. Have you have you Get, sat down with the calculator and figured out how to do this? Don't grim reaper me right now. Give me yes. hope and optimism, Gerald. <laughs> Saul needs a confirmed to Phoenix, Bradley yes, because Beal. Because I am rattled because all I've been looking at for the last five minutes is fucking monkeypox. Okay. It is terrifying. <laughs> I don't want it. I'm going to mask up fourfold. Okay. <laughs> Oh. It's all went down the rabbit hole. Oh man, this is so terrifying. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> all right, look, I I gave you I I came up with a trade this morning, and this was just kind of a surface level first thing I could come up with. If we could pull that second trade up, we've got Ish Smith and Bradley Beal going to the Suns again, assuming Bradley Beal opts in to his player option for Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, a first round pick that's unprotected, and DeAndre Ayton being signed to a four year max. Uh, that salary would start at $30.5 million, as we've talked about in the past. This is closer, but uh, you might have to throw an additional first-round pick in there for the Wizards in this case. Um, you know, there, there are problems up and down. Do they want Landry Shamit? Do they want to trade Bradley Beal at all? Would they rather just re-sign him and, and try to continue to tinker around with that roster? Like, there's a lot of stuff. And again, like, they already have bigs. They have Daniel Gafford. They have Christophs Porzingis. They have Thomas Bryant. Like it's just, it doesn't feel realistic unless you're getting a third team involved and making it a bigger trade where different pieces are going to different teams. Yeah. Dude, light me up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Bradley Beal in Arizona. Are you kidding me? Do I like that better than KD to be honest with you? Because I feel like KD um, he's got maybe two or three good years left um, before it all starts to fall apart. But Bradley Beal, Oh my gosh, he's a dog just like Devin Booker. 
Yes, all day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. you're right, Gerald. You need a you need a second team in this, uh, or third team in this to to make it kind of work. Send one of their bigs somewhere, get some additional capital for Washington. But if if Bradley Beal says to them, "Look, I I don't want to be here long term," I could see this being a path where you explore, and I feel pretty good about it. Not just because you get Bradley Beal, but it opens the opportunity to a dual-ish lineup, which I want. Ish Wainwright, Ish Smith on the court together. It needs to happen in Phoenix. The, the other thing, though, we also have to understand is Bradley Beal does have some leverage right now because he could opt out. Yeah. And if he opts out, then the Wizards get nothing um, if he leaves. So, you know, if the Wizards want something in return, this is a probably a, a very good secondary piece to get Aiden and two first round picks. If that's what the Suns would offer, even if they were going to be late first round picks eventually, but Oh man, Bradley Beal. I don't think there is a trade scenario out there that we've discussed. That's gotten me more excited than having Bradley Beal in the fold as a Phoenix Sun. because again, we talk about the mentality of this team. And one of the things that, that kind of came to fruition is that, they had a tendency to look like they maybe they were they were too soft, right? Um, especially against a team like the Pelicans, who were physical and aggressive. Um, you know, and Herb Jones was doing his thing, and 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 it, th- that was the perception, right? Bradley Beal will not take shit from anybody, much like Devin Booker. And I would love two of those dudes on the same team just going at it. Practices <laughs> would be unbelievable if those two were on the same court together. Oh my god. Fire me up. Let's go. <laughs> we, really turned, we really turned Saul's day right around when it right made around. Yeah. Like as long minutes. as I don't look at here, let me turn he off this TV screen because I don't want to look at monkeypox. Monkey what? Bradley Beal, damn it. Let's go. <laughs> no monkeypox. There's a lot of people in the comments that have a whole bunch of mixed feelings about this one. A lot of people are with you, Saul. They want Bradley Beal here. There's a couple of people who are like, you want me to give up what for Bradley Beal? Absolutely not. But Public Squares asked um, or kind of posed the idea, not sure how Beal fits with CP3 and Book. What do you guys think about the way that those three can work together? Should they be on the same team down the line? Anybody can work with CP3. CP3 will, will incorporate them easily. Uh, Devin, that, that might be an adjustment because, you know, obviously when you have somebody that is also ball dominant like Bradley Beal, um, you know, it's going to take a little bit of feeling out, but CP3 is honestly the perfect conduit to both. I, I, you couldn't ask for a better point guard to be able to facilitate to two of the best shooters in the NBA. Like, so I, I would feel absolutely calm. I think the first 10 to 15 games might be a little bit of rough, a little bit rough, but then after that, Oh, watch out. I mean, listen, Clay and Steph coexist. They both are volume shooters. They both have been fine. I think it's a similar model if you have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Well, we we worried about Devin when CP3 came and, oh, could he coexist? Devin Booker, much like you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park, will find a way, right? Devin Booker finds a way. And that's just – that will always be the case when you sur- whoever you surround him with. And I, and I think that could be the best of both worlds. Like, obviously, I think Book would adjust well. He adjusted to CP3 by continuing to lead the league in points per touch, despite getting a lot less touches as soon as CP3 came to town. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. My thing would be, if you're starting all three, you're a little bit small on the wing. But what you could do is take CP3 out, you know, three, four minutes into the game and then stagger those two guards the rest of the way. 
Like CP3 and Beal works. CP3 and Booker works. Booker and Bradley Beal also works because they have enough ball handling, playmaking, and definitely shooting if you're adding Beal. Again, this is kind of a pie in the sky option. There's we don't Cheryl, I don't know Cheryl, enough. Sh- I, okay. No, right. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I I just I don't know enough about the wizard situation to say that they're like ready to move on. If Beal wants out and then he forces their hand, that could be one thing because like you're saying, then he could opt out and leave for nothing. But if he does opt out, he could still re-sign with the Wizards for a way like a shit ton more money than anybody else can offer. It, tip, so. t- typically, I'm always on board with a player that'll tell high school kids, "Not one of you motherfuckers could guard me," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's who you'd have to see in the league, right? It's like, accurate remember, though. Remember what that NBA, clip, right? Yeah, but what what NBA player would would you think would go? Yeah, you all could guard me. Like, I mean, I, I, some of the guys that played for the Suns in 17, 18, maybe, but like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hope Eddie NBA Martin star or marginal star feels that way about high schoolers you know? <laughs> uh, so, Gerald, what, let me ask this though uh, some people brought up the idea of could you just sign him outright that doesn't work right unless he unless he's like i'll take some poverty uh some poverty contract for two years and uh and we'll wink wink get it on the back end right no, I, I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but you're not signing Bradley Beal for the mid-level exception. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's not happening. And, but why, and, Gerald? Why? So teams can go over the salary cap to re-sign their own player if they have their bird rights, if they have an exception like the mid-level, the biannual exception, um, minimum contracts. You can also go over for those. Uh, there are a couple of other exceptions that you can use to go over the salary cap and into the luxury tax like we've been talking talking about, but with all the contracts the Suns currently have on the books for next season, without even talking about, you know, DeAndre Ayton's potential extension, even if you got rid of DA, you're still working with limited cap space and not enough to offer Bradley Beal the max contract that he could get from pretty much any other team that would be pursuing him. So it, it's uh, you. You can't go over the salary cap to re-sign Bradley Beal as your roster is currently constructed. Basically, so you've heard it here first. Gerald says Bradley Beal to the Suns on a veteran minimum contract. <laughs> That's how it'll work. Saul, I have some really bad news for you. You ready? Sure. Why not? Let's give give me more bad news today. Hello in the chat said doctors are now saying that loving Bradley Beal is a symptom of monkeypox. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, I saw that. I saw that earlier flash up, and that's okay. That's fine. I, I will take one for the team. Let's go, Bradley Beal. Uh, so, realistically, would rather have Jessica Beal in the chat. It's good to know. Realistically, what are the chances that a Bradley Beal sit to Phoenix situation even happens? Like, let's be more realistic with this one. I don't want to play this game, Gerald. You do it. <laughs> I'm going to say like a, a 2 or a 3 out of 10. I'll go 2.5. Oh, that's okay. actually a lot higher than I thought you were going to say. That, I thought you were going to say 2% out of like 100. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's I, I was thinking like there. 25%, Gerald. I, yeah, that's 1 out of 4. I like those odds, man. Okay, maybe that's a little high. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll say 1. Give me a 1. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like 10%. There's a 10% chance. And again, this is completely predicated on Bradley Beal forcing his way out of Washington, which – um, I again, like like Gerald said, I, I'm not too spun up on what his situation is over there. I know he is 
He has said he's wanted to be in D.C. multiple times, um, that he likes the organization, but everybody has a tipping point. And, you know, I don't know if, if this is it for him because I can't see, you know, I can't see anything on the horizon in terms of success for the Washington Wizards at this point. So maybe he wants to go to a contender and now and because it's better for his career. It's better for his uh, exposure. Like, let's be real. When you're on a winning team, you get a lot of love. Look at Devin Booker and, you know, and, and the Forbes stuff. So I, I just think. I, I just think Bradley Beal would have to be the one that to really force that issue. And then once that happens, it's ball game. Like let, let's it's, it's wide open. Anybody's a, a contender. Let's see what happens. So, um, and, and I think the Suns obviously the Suns percentage of interest and the ability to maybe accrue him um, would jump up to like a 25, 30% at that point. Can, can we, the, I'm I'm reading the chat here, and the yes. trade CP3 stuff keeps coming back up. Can we put a moratorium on that? Nobody's it's making a happening. move for CP3, and the Suns aren't <laughs> moving CP3. So, I, like, I get it. This is all one giant thought experiment until July, and maybe even longer. But that thought is one that isn't just it isn't going to happen. It's just it, it does not logically make sense I, for any party involved. I hate to say never. But this is pretty as, as as close to never as possible, just because, like, listen, not only, okay, from the Suns' perspective, perspective <clears throat> if you could find a viable trade partner that, that you could trade CP3 and get some good value back for, yeah, you would explore it, absolutely. But I don't think that partner exists. I don't think there's anybody in the NBA outside of one specific team that might be willing to take on a CP3 and that one team is it's in the same division. Yeah, that's and, it. And you'd be getting Russell Westbrook back, so you're not solving anything. You're just causing yourself a bigger problem. You're getting demonstrably worse. And look, like CP3's contract is not that bad. If you look, the last year no, is a team not. option. No. The third year is, I think, half guaranteed for like 15 million. So the Suns gave themselves flexibility. So it's not like it's this contract that they have to dump anyway. I get there's concern about CP3, the way he played to close that series, the fact that he's 37 now. But, like, the Suns would not be where they are today. Nobody on this team would be where they are today without that trade. And he was an all-NBA player this season until he either hurt his quad or got COVID or whatever the hell you want to say. Like, he was still an all-NBA player. I think people are way too low on Chris Paul right now. And heading into next season, I completely agree they need to shift some of the offensive responsibility away from him and to the younger guys and you need to tweak your offense to do that a little bit but like this whole we got to get rid of cp3 stuff has got to stop it, it's I, it's not happening gerald I, I i i understand where people are coming from in terms of how low they are on chris paul strictly based on the playoff history and injury history that he's had that's the only reason really because if he's not injured right if he's not injured uh, they they might win the NBA Finals because he definitely wasn't himself in the NBA Finals last year. Um, and you could tell because every time it seemed like he crossed over, he lost the ball because he couldn't feel his arm. Um, you know, and, and so, and then, you know, obviously like the hamstring when he was with the Rockets. And it just seems like he always is able to put together great seasons, but the playoffs, for whatever reason, is the biggest bugaboo for him and he's always injured. So I could see why people are kind of like at that point with CP3. He's, he's a great player. There's no doubt about that, but it is frustrating when year after year, now we've had him for two years and in back-to-back -back years, he's had multiple things happen to him in the playoffs, the arm, 
COVID last year, you know, got him in the Western Conference Finals. And then we move on to this year. And it's, it, again, it's the quad and maybe possibly COVID again for the second year in a row. Like, it's frustrating as a fan. It is frustrating. But I my challenge to you is, okay, what are you going to do that's better? Like, nobody. Campaign. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you can't, like, unless you're trading for a Damian Lillard, which isn't happening, because why would the Blazers do that? Or a superstar that's even better than Chris Paul at that specific position. Like everybody on this team and Devin Booker especially loves Chris Paul. You trade Chris Paul, you had better nail that move for a star that's better than Chris Paul. And you're not, again, he was a top 15 player in the NBA this season. You're not going to pull off a trade for one of the other guys that made an all NBA team this year. Yeah, here's, I, I do have one more follow up question for you, Gerald. Um, we, we mentioned the contract, basically $45 million left on the contract for the next two seasons guaranteed. Um, is that enticing enough to be able to do something? Let's just say for shits and giggles, if the Suns wanted to, to, to explore opportunities, uh, using Chris Paul, do you think that that contract might be, might be worth taking on, um, in, in a certain situation? I think so, but you'd have to be a team that is not, necessarily contending or kind of like where the Suns were when they traded for Chris Paul, like a young team that feels that they can take the next step. And you're hoping that a Chris Paul can help you get there as he's 38, 39 years old and B that he actually wants to go there because like with the Oklahoma city thunder, they traded him to the Suns because he wanted to come here. They did him a solid for what he did for them. The Suns would owe him that and more for what he's done for this franchise like he got the Thunder to the playoffs. He got the he helped the Suns get to the finals and helped them become the best team in the NBA until it all imploded. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think his contract is that bad again. And I think especially like next season, this is probably that's probably a more appropriate time for this conversation. We'll see what happens this upcoming season. Does he break down? Do the Suns dial his minutes back? Is he able to still be effective? Um, but the whole the playoff thing his playoff legacy as like coming up short or being a failure is really overblown. Like if you look at his teams, they have historically for the most part overachieved compared to what they were expected to do. But all anybody ever remembers is the injury against the, uh, the warriors when he was with the rockets or, you know, the injury against the bucks last year, but like the Suns weren't expected to make the finals at all. The fact that they made it to the finals was something. And I understand the disappointment of coming two wins short, but like you look at his career, he's made every team he's gone to better and they've gotten further in the playoffs than anyone was usually expecting. Like there are only a couple instances where he chokes and that's going to happen if you're in the league for 17, 18 years. I mean, four teams that he's been on uh, have, have been led to their best regular season ever under his watch. Like, I don't think there's any disputing how great he is. And I don't Mm. think there's any disputing how great he's been in the playoffs when healthy. But the Mm. problem is, and and listen, this is, this is, this is a legitimate thing. Like there's some guys out there that just have a tendency to get injured more than others. And that is part of their legacy. Unfortunately, I look at Brandon Roy, one of the best two guards um, to ever to, to really play in such a short amount of time, but then microfracture surgery ruined everything. You know what I mean? So it's just, some guys are just like that. 
I think in, go ahead. Good, Lindsay. I think instead of talking about getting rid of Chris Paul, we need to be talking more about what Gerald wrote in his article at GoPHNX, and that's how do you take the burden off of Chris Paul to allow him to still be effective on your team without relying on him so heavily. That, I think, is the conversation we all should really be having because Chris Paul <laughs> is still a phenomenal player. The veteran leadership is huge for a team like the Suns that has a ton of younger guys on it who are just now getting their playoff experience under their belts. I think the bigger thing is how can we set this team up to not have to rely on Chris Paul as much as it had to over the last two years? Does that make the bigger difference moving forward? Well, yes. I mean, that. The, well, go ahead, Despo. Just going to say yes. Bradley Beal. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> a Bradley Beal. But I mean, also, like, listen, this is where I, you know, we, we talked about Mikhail. Um, and Cam and all these other guys uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, but this is where I kind of fall back on and like, yeah, you all should have helped them. Like you have the talent, you have the ability, but you all disappeared too. And for seemingly no reason, like uh, it, CP3 needed, like I literally keep thinking of the Kevin Hart thing, like help me, like help me help you kind of thing. And <laughs> they all disappeared, all of them. Like Mikhail and Cam have to be better. DA had to be better. They all had to be better. And they have the talent and the ability to. That's what makes this, I think, even more frustrating is that you know it's there. It's just, for whatever reason, they, they didn't come through. Look, I'm right. a, I'm, go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say, and I, and I think the biggest, that, that goes back to, based on what we saw from Mikhail and Cam and, and the way Monty talked about, did we put them in enough positions to go out and get a bucket? And based on, you're right, we can't take out the injury factor with Chris Paul, especially at this stage in his career. Although I do think people mix in fluke injuries like COVID and stuff like that with that. And I don't know if that's fair, but you can't take that out of the equation. And so the biggest offseason need for the Suns, aside from figuring out all the DA stuff, getting Cam his extension, getting Booker his supermax, <clears throat> is getting that backup point guard and using that mid-level to the fullest of its capabilities to find someone who's an upgrade from campaign to find someone that if Chris Paul breaks down again, you have somebody you can actually rely on because the biggest part of that problem in the playoffs was not that Chris Paul was playing at a subpar level. It's that they literally had no other options, no other way to go about it once he started to break down and they needed campaign in that series and he was nowhere to be found. So they do need to find a backup point guard or someone that can take some of that onus off of Chris Paul, especially if his body breaks down again. Look, I am a big believer in mantras, and I feel like this show needs one for this offseason. And the fans, you know, the, the girthlings need one to get us through this. And I have the perfect one. At least we're not the kings. Just keep saying it over and over again. And you start to feel a little bit better. At least we're not the kings. Poor the bar is in hell. Dude, is the bar that low? You didn't you didn't draft <laughs> Marvin Bagley. You don't live in Sacktown, the worst nickname of any city in the world. Like uh you can start to feel a little bit better. They because remember 2017, they were at the same exact point, you know, and the Suns at least have, have progressed past that. So at least we're not the Kings. Uh, I would like to say one more thing in terms of the Chris Paul stuff and the, and the load management, if you will. I, I think there's also one other person that needs to do a much, much better job of controlling 
not only, you know, what Chris Paul is doing on the court, but how they're managing Chris Paul in totality. And that's Monty. Like Monty has to do a much better job. He needs, as the head coach, he needs to take more control of the team by and large. Like, I think he's, I think he's let Chris kind of dictate things because it's Chris and Chris is like, I know my body. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. I think now is we've hit the, we've hit the breaking point where, okay, I needed to take this into to my own hands. And maybe if we play campaign and I'm not saying this is what would have happened by a, by a mile, but maybe if we cut back CP three's minutes, five to six minutes a game, and we give campaign more and we actually tell campaign like, Hey, listen, man, like this team's only going to go as, as you go. Like maybe that changes the dynamic for, for campaign instead of just taking the backseat to CP three and filling in whenever he's gone. Um, maybe, maybe he steps it up a little bit too, but um, I, I think the, the, the management part uh, on Monty has to, has to be better overall, not just for CP three, but the entire team. I agree because there were a couple of people in the chat when I brought up, you know, Gerald's article about taking the burden off of Chris Paul and everyone was saying Chris Paul won't allow the burden to be removed from his shoulders. But here's the thing, like there's a reason why you have kind of a quote unquote hierarchy within the organization, within the team, you have a GM and a coach, and then you have players like the coach can make that call. It's on Monty and James to sit down with Chris Paul, really talk through this and come up with a good solution that everyone can get on board with. And like you said, Saul, like Monty just has to call the shot sometimes and just be like, listen, you have to do this, not just for you, but for our entire team and organization. And that's just that. So come on, let's go. <laughs> I, I I completely agree with that. He does need to be, he needs to have that conversation with Chris Paul this summer because we've seen it two years running now. And Chris Paul has taken exceptionally good care of his body the last three years. If you look at how many games he's missed in the regular season, but then you get to the playoffs and it's a different story. They need to manage him better. And that was this year, you know, his 15 game absence was with a fluke injury. He got hit on the hand. You can't do much about that. But like, even when he came back after resting for 15 games and recovering, his body still broke down because of how much he had to do in the first round. But I, I do think <clears throat> at this point with campaign, like he was starting for those 15 games and he played really well in that stretch. He, he got a chance to do a little bit more, but then in the playoffs, he still kind of disappeared. Yeah. I think at this point, the scouting report is kind of out on campaign. So unless he drastically adds something to his game this summer, I, I I just think we might have reached our ceiling with him as the backup point guard. We got a super chat from Libertarian. Thank you for your super chat. They said at least the Kings drafted Halliburton. And then yeah. traded and him. Traded him. <laughs> I don't the feel like we Kings. Give, <laughs> I, at least we're not the Kings. Yeah. At least, I don't think we give uh, Libertarian enough credit. You don't read the full name. It's Libertarian Sasquatch, which adds a totally different tone to the to the name in the chat. You know, here's the thing. I only read the first name now because I don't want to get got. Like, who who, who was it? Johnny? Johnny. It was Johnny. I'm not trying to get got like Johnny, so I only read first names from now on. I forgot about that. There is a strategy to this, okay, you guys? (laughs) Maybe you should let Espo read them now. <laughs> there you go. See if I spoke and get it. Somebody can wouldn't catch be the Espo worst stuff I've ever said on a show. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All 
All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you all for joining us for a fun chat about all types of things today. This one felt a little bit out of left field, just all over the place today, but it was a lot of fun. Welcome um, to the off-season, Linz. Yes, I yeah. know. It's it's one of those things, one of those things. Before we let you go, we don't have an ad read roulette today. We will be doing one tomorrow. And then I want to remind you guys that on Friday, you're going to want to be here for the show because we're going to share uh, the poll results from our last draft. Oh. And... Um, the loser of that poll has to do something really that Shane's going to come up with. So join us for Friday. Start penciling that one into your book now because I'm sure it's going to be really embarrassing it's for someone be epic. on the show. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you know what? Actually, you should do. You should go to your local dispensary. You should grab some OGs. Pop one before the show on Friday because it'll probably make it even funnier for you. Or you can just chill out and watch us on the show. So if you want to do that, uh, like I said, stop by your local dispensary or go to ogsbrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands.com to find an OGs near you and try out all the delicious flavors that they have to offer from their scratch-made THC gummies. Thank you for tuning in again one more time. Yes, it was an I earlier say, show. Can I say go one ahead. more thing? I know Espo was talking about, hey, at least we're not the Kings. I feel like today I just want to say, hey, at least we're not ASU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I only said that because Gerald's wearing the shirt and then all hell's breaking loose at ASU right now. So it's kind of. It happens. I'm a, uh, a wildcat. It happens. We'll no be one back should tomorrow. be surprised. The Sun Devils <laughs> live in hell. So it's fine. <laughs> True. Facts. We'll be back tomorrow at our normal time, 2 p.m. So come hang out with us. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Saul at Saul Bookman. Saul underscore Bookman. Sorry, forgot the underscore there. And, of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Remember, there's no vaccine for the ESPN trade machine. Ahoy hoy. <laughs>